0: Here at Intoxia Reviews, we intellectually dissect the art of cinema, scene by scene. Here's some clips.
1: Oh, he is It's just a fucking big wooden doll full of cum, chasing kids around. You look up guys who poop in a bag. I think that's where you'll find them.
2: Because he is hurt. It's probably just in your search history anyway, isn't it?
1: A movie
0: which, by the way, reviewed by my mother. The review was, thank God you were on early because we couldn't watch any more of that thing. What a yeah. wide berth. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a good scene. The uh, we're watching the infamous dildo scene. You got trolled. You were in. i oh, shut you up. No,
2: no, I didn't say shit. You got trolled. Cordless just trolled. Real script.
0: Yeah. They didn't even give him a script when he got the job. They gave him a bottle of Stoli and said, <laughs> "Learn this." Did you stumble on the joke?
1: <laughs> Talk about this movie for f- fart's sake. This is a we, we can we can swear this movie fucking blows so don't forget to
2: subscribe to Intoxicated Reviews on all places you find podcasts. Except Spotify. We're working on it.
0: Do not take product if you are hypersensitive.
1: and welcome back to the Intoxicated Podcast. If you are new to the show, Intoxicated Podcast is a podcast where I talk to friends about various aspects of life and doing so with the world's best social lubricant, alcohol. My friend Pat is on this week's episode. And as with most Intoxicated episodes, we covered a lot of topics our initial sort of thought going into this would be that we would just cover sort of our thoughts on anxiety and depression and stress as adults. So how do we deal with the bullshit that life throws at us? Um, whether that be depression, anxiety, stress, grief. Well, sometimes we just don't deal with it. And what I mean by that is uh, we seek escapes in the shittiness of life. So a big part of this episode is the idea of escapism and avoidance. We talk about all the things we do as different outlets to deal with life, and most importantly, how to do these things in a way that is not self-destructive. Pat talks about the three F's, and that would be fighting, fucking, and food. One extremely interesting part of this episode is when Pat talks about a very hard time in his life when he was dealing with grief, and he actually hired a professional dominatrix. So it's an interesting concept, um, the idea of escapism And seeking out different forms of pleasure to deal with your pain. We also talk about the importance of checking in with yourself and others. uh, And sort of ensuring that you're not repressing your emotions to a damaging degree. Now Pat and I are both very expressive people. We both are just big talkers. We love to talk. So expressing our emotions has never been an issue for us. But this is an issue sometimes when it comes to masculinity and the whole idea that men shouldn't cry or express themselves because that's not manly. And guys, this is only scraping the surface of what Pat and I went over on this episode. We also talk about censorship, indulgence, pleasure, intimacy, and loneliness. Um, We cover a lot. This is a doozy. This was an absolutely fascinating episode. I was entirely enthralled by our talk. It seriously was just such a good conversation. I took a lot out of it and actually walked away with it learning a lot, especially in the area of death, which is something that I think about probably every single day. And it's also so refreshing and nice to attack these topics candidly and with some humor because at the end of the day, that is what Intoxicated is about. Comedy and humor is certainly one of the ways that I deal with life. It is an escape for me to make jokes sometimes when I'm going through something shitty. So that goes into it as well. So I do want to say A big thank you to Pat for being such an unreal guest on the show. It was amazing, and I'm hoping that he will be back on. Do not forget to subscribe to Intoxicated wherever you find podcasts. And if you like the show, definitely leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Definitely helps the show out to get more of those. And tell your friends about the podcast, because that is even better. And follow us on social media. That is Facebook and Instagram at Intoxicated Podcast. On Twitter at in underscore intoxicated. You can also check out our Patreon page. That is patreon.com backslash intoxicated. Tons of different reward levels on there, whatever your budget may be. You can donate as little as $1 or up to $20. we got a nice little growing community on Patreon, so certainly check that out if you are interested. One quick update before we get to the episode. Stay tuned for concrete details on the 12-hour live stream that I will be doing, which I agreed to do. If I got nominated for the Coast Best of Halifax Reader's Choice Awards. So certainly this is a reminder to vote for Intoxicated if you haven't done so already. I will be sure to leave a link below to where you can vote. We are in the news and media category. And I can't wait to share more about the live stream. I'm just still working out some details. But I'm thinking that it's actually not going to be in August because I don't want to rush this. It's probably going to be closer to the beginning of September, More than likely September 8th, but don't hold me to that in case that changes. As of now, I'm asking around to some various guests to try to confirm people so I know that I have enough guests to fill 12 hours. I know, I'm a crazy person. And I got to say as well, Corey is also going to stream for 12 hours. So you are going to get 24 hours total of intoxicated. Um, we are certainly really excited about this. This is going to be a huge undertaking and a good challenge for us to see if we can pull it off. And I'm sure that we will. So super excited to share more details about that very soon. I'm going to wrap it up because we are still in a heat wave here in Halifax, and my apartment is a literal oven. It's actually making me feel like I can't even talk right at this point. I hope you enjoy this very epic episode with Pat. I oh. uh, done. Oh yes, that's much better. Oh beauty. Oh yeah. That's good.
2: That's the oh, yeah. That's the business.
1: It's also a a bell for if like if someone gets burned really bad, like <laughs> like a good joke. You ding it for a good joke. Jesus. Yeah. Which might not happen too much on this one. But I don't know. Don't go we, easy on me. like, plenty. like there'll be plenty. be plenty. We're going to we get into it. We're going to get into
2: it. Go easy. I don't go easy on anyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh! Okay. Jesus. It's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hot in here. So welcome back to Intoxicated Podcast, everybody. It is an extremely hot day in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I have a very special guest on the show who I've been trying to get on... The show forever Yeah,
2: a year, year more, probably Oh
1: my god, yeah Yeah. We've been talking about it for a while I have Pat on the show Hello, everybody Put in an applause sound effect right here, Sarah Um, yeah, so I've been trying to This is like, I think, our third attempt at recording, something like that
2: Yeah, one was yesterday One was yesterday,
1: and we were both like, nope, too hot Too hot And it's real hot today, but we're here
2: Yeah Uh, I'm
1: wearing very little and my boobs might pop out of my shirt, but, you know.
2: It's okay. I might take my pants off halfway through this. we might
1: end up without clothes on and not in a sexual way at all. Just in a way of... Just hanging out. Just let it all hang out. It is so hot. Like, it's like 30, but with a humid dex of like 38 or something right now. Yeah, this is like people dying hot fucking christ yeah
2: this is this is like people dying in a heat wave hot which is gonna continue happening apparently uh, deaths from uh <laughs> deaths from uh heat waves are gonna, just gonna skyrocket in the next like two that's decades
1: terrifying
2: right thanks global warming
1: is that mostly old people though probably yeah like Take we're that, probably baby okay right?
2: fuck you fuck
1: you well i was <laughs> telling pat before we hit record Ooh. um oh, oh that's shit. just
2: unprofessional
1: i know sorry <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Pat that I'm drinking so much water, but it just goes right through me. Like, I drink it and then I pee. It just comes out your pores,
2: too. You just, it's just sweat it out.
1: It's just ridiculous. It's but
2: sweating to the oldies.
1: We are drinking some gin. It is a local gin. It is Nova Scotia Spirit Co. Willing to Learn Gin.
2: Willing to Learn.
1: <laughs> Which I loved the name, because I thought it was kind of appropriate. Yeah, time. I enjoy
2: that. Yeah. Willing to learn, uh, you know. Willing to learn gin. Getting into discussions and listening.
1: Yep. And that's what it's about today. So we're drinking a Tom Collins. This is really interesting because I tried to make it and I was not doing it right at all. <laughs> I um, didn't do a bad job. So we're drinking this gin and it's so, Tom Collins, if you don't know, it's like gin, simple syrup, lemon juice, club soda.
2: And a pretty little maraschino
1: cherry. And maraschino cherry. Mardi Maraschino, like in cherry, Greece. Anyone? No. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's delightful, and I fucked it up. But you're gonna make the next one. So. Uh, well,
2: yeah, well, yeah, we'll see how bad uh, <laughs> I can fuck it up.
1: <laughs> so it's really good in summary. So we bring in for a cheers. We always do this. We have to start with the cheers. I'm not a- okay. Woohoo!
2: Yeah, I feel like I'm desperately outpacing you.
1: You really are. You <laughs> really just, are. You might have to uh, make those drinks. Such a refreshing soon you think. drink. It's delightful, and we have a pitcher of water right beside us, so we don't die. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it'll be all right first we'll make it. death
1: on the podcast we'll <laughs> but friendship origin story yeah
2: we go way back
1: we go way back
2: like farther back than i'd like to admit considering uh graduating was what seven years ago
1: like like seven or eight years Jesus yeah. Christ! because it would have been 2010 and when did yeah. i get old so we, we went to the same school for like, I was only there for, my program was a year, so. Mine was two years. So we kind of met through that.
2: Yeah, briefly. And
1: weren't really, I mean, we were friends, but yeah, like, we didn't, didn't really have know, a lot of, know each other that well. Yeah,
2: we were both pretty busy with our respective programs and, uh, yeah. yeah, didn't really have a lot of overlap. Because uh, there <laughs> were a lot of programs at that school, like sound design and 3D design that were far more relevant to filmmaking which I was in. Right. Um and you were doing event coordination, so yeah. yeah, very little overlap there, I think.
1: But it was a tiny school.
2: Yeah, very small. Can
1: we talk briefly about half the school? Like it was Okay, like the show community, it wasn't like that. It was way smaller. No. No. <laughs>
2: it it was not like that at all. It was far less whimsical as well. Yeah. Uh super small. It was interesting. Um I wouldn't have traded it for the world, mind you, but uh, it certainly wasn't the cut-and-dry academic education I was expecting, yeah. Not at all. I remember we had some classes where we just went to the Pogue Fido and had a few pints and just fucked around. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Back when the Pogue Fido was a thing.
1: And me coming like I came from a university background, so going into that was just like, what is what is this? Yeah, I need structure, goddammit. it! Yeah, it was, it was it was. But I met like some of my like still to this day close friends. There. Yeah, I still
2: bump into people all the time. Yeah,
1: so like wouldn't trade it for the world. But like we we met there, and then we just kind of stayed Facebook friends essentially.
2: Yeah, and and the beauty of Halifax is that you know you always orbit around these people mm-hmm. for years and months or whatever, uh, and you you tend to collide. Mm. From time to time, which is nice. Really nice. Um, So you can just – I'm a big fan of of getting to know people and, like, going on your way and then just, like – crossing paths from time to time kind of thing. Right? Yeah. And
1: then you're like, there's a common thread here. Let's talk. Like, let's... Yeah. like You kind of just
2: weave in and out of each other's lives from time to time, especially when you live in a small... Well, I say small, but, like, it's actually a pretty large community on the grand scale. Right. Um, I come come from Cape Breton, so, like, we're talking 150 people in a community, so...
1: Right. And And I'm coming from Anaganish, so same thing. Yeah, I I,
2: I, I didn't know any of those people, because I didn't give a fuck to, really.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
2: Because they were all... You know, closed-minded luddites half the time. So,
1: what, where in Cape Breton?
2: Just a little town you, called Evanston. Oh, uh, wow, just outside of Port Hawkesbury. So oh,
1: okay, yeah, like yep. ten,
2: fifteen minutes outside of the causeway.
1: Small town life. Yeah. What was small town life like for you?
2: I don't know. Yeah, I got to <laughs> I got to about thirteen, fourteen, and most of my free time was spent either running around the, in the woods with my childhood friends, or reading comic books, playing video games, yeah. or reading. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, did you did you know you always like in your mind were you like I want to go to a big city, or like was Halifax kind of, like for me it was like I want to go to the big city of Halifax <laughs> like I uh, had no idea well, how I, small Halifax really was. I,
2: I traveled around a little bit. I uh, I spent a summer in Japan when I was about sixteen, so I That's got to crazy. see Tokyo and I got to <sighs> see Chiba and. Um, Nagano and and a few of these major cities that made me really interested uh, in traveling. So I went from – I dropped out of Dalhousie when I was 18, uh, moved out to Vancouver. I moved to Edmonton for a year and a half, two years, uh, lived in – well, I can't say lived in, couch surfed in Toronto for a while Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of hopped back and forth through major cities and stuff like that. yeah, I, I just... I, I needed experience. I needed right. culture. I needed uh, something different. I just wasn't content to continue living this monotonous life where most of what you talked about was just gossip, uh, other people. And, same you know. scenery every day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I get that. Yeah, because you just kind of lose your eye for the beauty of it. You know, you have to leave and come back. Uh to see any good in it whatsoever.
1: And, yeah, so I... What was Japan like?
2: It was incredible. Yeah, Um, I really
1: want to go. It's, like, on my my list. Of all
2: the places I've traveled, it's the single most incredible because it's, A, both um, fascinating and welcoming and also terrifying and different and strange. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I I mean... (laughs) Culture shock. I, I, and... I'm just not the kind of person to get culture shock. Oh, I really? Like. Yeah.
1: See, I kind of am, but like, I just need to like kind of be in it for a bit, and then I'll get used to it. But, well, it's like
2: jumping into a pool of cold water, right? Which I would There's love you right now. Oh like, my!
1: Can you sorry, just I imagine? It.
2: Let's go well, I had a hot dipping. shower
1: earlier, and like, I was in the shower going, "What are you doing? Right? You're warm.
2: Rookie Why are you move. wanting
1: to get more warm? And then I realized <laughs> that the reason I was doing that. Was to get the feeling of coming out of the hot shower into the still hot room, but it's, like, less hot than in the bathroom, so you feel that, like, kind of instant relief. It's all relative. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that can be kind of rough. (laughs) Oh, my God. why? No, let's stop talking about the heat. (gasps)
1: We're going to die! (laughs) <laughs> we're drinking we're in this speed too. Yeah, it's true. Do you want to not? Do- oh yeah, here. what is your cat? Here. Oh yeah, M- even Mindy's I think like Mindy's dead. Fuck this. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool how we kind of reconnected because we were just kind of Facebook friends. And I remember when you did a podcast uh, called "It's on Halifax," right?
2: Yeah, did that and for about three, four years.
1: I would tune in every now and then to that. Yeah, and then like I guess. When I launched Intoxicated, you were like, "Whoa, that's cool!" And then yeah. you messaged me. I well, I like, had a really
2: good time doing it with uh, my buddy Adam. For uh, the time that we did, we had press passes to Halcon for two years in a row, and that was incredible. Like mm-hmm. it, it was so worthwhile doing that because I built great relationships with Adam, uh, our controller Emily. Um, and then being able to go to Halcon and interview some of my favorite like childhood celebrities. Oh my
1: god! Amazing. It
2: was really cool. Um, Adam got to interview John Reese Davies, and wow. I got to interview one of the Doctor Who's, and I got to interview uh, uh, David Wong from uh, Star Trek Voyager. Like wow! It was, yeah, it, it was a really cool experience. We got to go to Halcon for free yeah, two awesome. years in a row. Um, I went out and partied with the guys from Cyanide and Happiness and, Whoa! uh, yeah, a game designer named Jason Anarchy. We went on this pub crawl and got kicked out of so many bars and it was just, oh my god, the Sunday that I had to interview people was a nightmare because I'd gone out with all of these, like, lesser celebrities and game designers and, like, artists and, oh, now who's, uh... Now who's rude, huh?
1: No, just joking. You
2: uh, <laughs> You can tell I work in the service industry because my alarm was set for 9 p.m.
1: Oh, my goodness. Who yes, fucking has
2: alarms set for 9, 9 p.m. p.m.? I
1: mean, I do it every now and then when I take... Uh, I'm such a evening napper. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. I
1: will take naps, and it's so dumb, and it's so terrible to myself to do this to myself. Because I don't... And, like, I don't even work in the service industry, but we probably have similar s- sleep schedules because oh, yeah. I like to sleep... Late. I've been off the last
2: two days, and yesterday I had that on because I was supposed to come here at 10, actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, I remember when we made the plan to record at 10, I was like, that's not that late. And then I realized that I had to get up for, I had to be at work for nine, which which means I have to get up at seven, which isn't too bad, but I'm a terrible goddamn sleeper. And, like, if you had stayed over for, say, two to three hours... I still would have been that p- probably for at least another hour and a half because I, I, after I record, I'm usually buzzing, right? right. And I need a wind down, yeah. and I'm also addicted to the internet, and I'm always on my phone, and I'm constantly looking at a screen. Right, and that's me coming home so. from work
2: too. Like it's yeah. If I close the bar at two a.m., I need a wind down, and I've probably had like two beer after work. Yeah, and just kind of come home and maybe have another beer, and yeah, like, I don't get to bed until like. I can hear the birds chirping out the window. Oh, really? I'm like, like, <laughs>
1: see, I'm like three is like. I would say I would honestly say two is my my standard, and right. on weekends it's three or four for right. me.
2: Yeah, and I'm not to mention the fact that I had gone to boxing at like mm-hmm. seven thirty, eight o'clock. So by the time I got back, I was absolutely fucking knackered.
0: Oh, I'm I, right. I
2: I'd that I'd sweat out word. like three pounds of water weight, and Amazing. could barely move. And was like, I'm just not gonna go Isn't anywhere. It, to I anything. don't blame you. To be uh, honest, we, and that's part of the beauty of it is that. You know, you get to sleep at the very least because you're so exhausted. Yeah, I threw on Avatar: The Last Airbender, watched an episode or two, and was just ready to fucking fall asleep wow! on the
1: couch. Amazing! Wow, I love that show; it's great. Um, boxing, eh? So, like, do, like, what do you like about boxing?
2: I I've done it for about eight years now. Um, I really the only sports I've ever played were combat sports, right? And and I say play as in. You play other sports. You participate in combat sports. It's... Right. Uh, when I was a kid, my parents put me in Taekwondo because I was Ooh. getting pretty bullied. Oh, I'd shit. I skipped a grade, you know, like, I, I skipped the third grade, so I went from grade two to grade four. And so, you know, you had a lot of those older kids. Uh, and, and when you're that young, a year is a whole lot. Like, that's uh-huh. that's a big gap.
1: It's like five years.
2: Yeah, you know, you become kind of a pariah. Uh... So I got pretty picked on come junior high, and I was put into Taekwondo. And, and really, I never defended myself against my bully or anything like that. You know, I've never been in a fight in my entire life, right. considering I've been training in different fighting styles for well over 15 years. Whoa!
1: Uh, and you've never actually encountered it in real life?
2: No, no. I've never been in a fight. Huh! Uh, well, because by the time you reach adulthood, you realize... I've come to realize that the only people uh, who use violence to get what they want are they generally just use the threat of violence. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of meet the threat with a social contract, Mm -hmm. they fucking, they stop. They just step down. Uh, I've diffused a lot of fights by having some guy go, what are you going to do about it? I'm like, oh, well, (sighs) you want to just go out back and we'll figure it out? And they're like, what? You going to take a swing at me? I'm like, no, I'm not going to take a swing at you here because this is a bar and the bouncers will pull me off of you. I'm going to take you out back and I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. And they're just like, oh shit, this guy's serious. Like, he's for real. Uh,
1: and then that's when they're like, "And they're like, no, I'm fuck that. they walk away.
2: Well, because they use the, the threat of like, what are you going to do? Take a swing at me? Like, no, I'm not an idiot. Like, it's, I'm going to get arrested. I like it it a lot. Be, they, yeah. The what second would you you're do like, I'm, They were like, okay, let's go. I, I would absolutely go. Really? Okay. 100%. Well, I
1: mean, I guess you're trained in it. So yeah. Well, yeah, I'm also a
2: bit of a masochist, too. Like, I... Yeah, it...
1: We are 17 minutes in! <laughs> Let's
2: talk about that! <laughs> well, no. I, well, it, it comes from, like, learning to, to speak the language of violence, I guess. And, and I, okay. had this, I I touched on this a little bit when I was talking to uh, the folks from Turn Me On. Turn Me On! Because I actually... I, I talked about... Uh, to have a professional dominatrix. Yes! And I mentioned that it was less about the pain and more about being able to endure the pain. Yeah. So you don't you don't get pleasure from the pain. You get pleasure from enduring the pain.
1: You're like, oh, I, I got through that. Shit. Exactly, yeah.
2: yeah. And it builds you up a little bit. Damn. Um. So if someone were to say like, oh, well, then yeah, let's go out back and fight and it'll be the two of us. I'd be like, all right, well this is this is how it's gonna go uh and come what may really like yeah and and part of it comes from just like a reckless abandon that i have as well like there there is like just a mild fucking like death wish going on there (laughs) you know it's and people are like, well, aren't you scared that, you know, you bounce your head off the concrete and die? And I'm like, I mean, kind of, I guess, but you don't really think about it at the time, you know? You're, Just like, spugging. on adrenaline a bit. Yeah, yeah. More than that. Uh, and I know people who have been adrenaline junkies and skydive, and they do crazy dangerous shit all the time. <laughs> um, and, yeah, agreeing to fight someone in a fucking concrete alley is no different.
1: Right? No, not at all. Yeah. But I,
2: I, I don't know. I think... The people who use violence are either sociopaths or just emotionally stunted. Something in a lot going of ways. On there. So yeah, yeah. The second, yeah. I think that's why a lot of people, when you agree to to meet their violence with like this controlled, calculated uh, approach, they're like oh, they get scared because really all they were doing was threatening violence because that's really all they know how to do because maybe they came from a broken home, maybe they had an abusive uh, father, maybe they had. So Abusive parents kind of thing. Um uh, and that's really the only way they know how to resolve things.
1: So true. Yeah.
2: Uh but some people are just straight fucking sociopaths. That and, <laughs> and that's scary.
1: That is real scary. That's why I
2: don't go to the toothy moose anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, ding, ding! <laughs> just a barrel of sociopaths.
2: Essentially, yeah.
1: Are you do you think you're friends with any?
2: Sociopaths? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I
2: I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe I am I with <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, I don't think
1: you are because you, you talk about your feelings.
2: Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, of course so I'm, I'm not, not. And it's funny to joke about. Um, it is. Yeah. And, and I think, I think being able to talk about those feelings and, and being in tune with how I feel and being in tune with the negative things I feel kind of makes me come off that way sometimes. But right. I think a lot of people just don't admit to, to the shit that goes on in their head.
1: This is what it is. Yeah. So, like, this is kind of what triggered you coming on, was I just find it, especially with males, I just want to know more about that. Like, that, because, like, I'm, I'm just, I just, I'm always expressing myself. It's just how I've always been. I've never felt the need to repress in Mm -hmm. any way. But as a chick who's friends with a lot of dudes, I find them repressing so much. Oh, yeah. And... So like, were you always someone who just was always in tune with that? Like, how did that?
2: No, when I was a kid, about? I was actually very, very emotional. I would, I would take these tantrums. I would cry out of frustration. I would, mm-hmm. I would flip out as a kid. Same, same. Uh, and you, you kind of learn to control it. Um, and I, I did get a little numb over time. Uh, but you have to find your outlets, right? You really have to. Oh yeah, and
1: that's huge.
2: There's. I, I live by the three F's.
1: Ooh. What are the three F's?
2: Fighting, fucking, and food.
1: I love it! <laughs> Fighting? So, like, physical activity, like boxing? Yeah. yeah or, like, like... A
2: release for the, the violent tendencies that we all have. Right. For that, that violent energy, the physical energy.
1: Fucking, of course. Fucking.
2: Yeah. Which uh, sometimes is a release of that violent energy, depending on you know who what, you're with. You know, <laughs> you, know. you know what's
1: weird, though? And, like, this is what I'll say about that. I totally agree. Because, like, when um, I'm going through shit is well, when I want to fuck the most. It's this
2: animalistic <laughs> urge, right? Yes. And I talked about that on, on Turn Me On as well. That, yes. That weird, like, I wound up sleeping with, with well, I wouldn't even call it sleeping <laughs> with it, just having this, just, we fucked it out in one of the, like, quote-unquote family rooms in the... Uh, Hospital! Right, yeah, like, in the, the ICU. And it, it was just this, like, total release. It was just this animalistic urge this energy that needed to needed be needed to be put out um yeah and, and food like it, oh, all of yeah. these, these three things speak <laughs> to the most basic human urges mm-hmm. um you know the the urge to procreate the urge to defend yourself and your loved ones and the urge to sustain yourself the
1: urge yeah to stay alive, to stay alive. right yeah are you an emotional eater
2: no, I'm just an eater. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just an eater because oh. I totally am an emotional eater.
2: Oh well, no, I just... I well, I'm, I'm an emotional cooker. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've had nights where I couldn't sleep uh, and I was depressed and things like that, and I would just pace around the house. And there were there was a night fairly recently where I was like, I think I have everything here to make pierogies. So I'm going to do that. And it was like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning and I'm Amazing. making pierogies from scratch. I like the dough, I'm making the filling and like I make a month's worth of food. Wow. Because I do, I just, that's how I cope essentially.
1: So that's one of the, okay. So like maybe that's a good transition into how we cope. So well, yeah. And
2: it's nice too because it, especially cooking is this way to not only maintain your mental health but also maintain your physical health because I know when I go through... Psychological strife. I often forget to eat. Or oh if I'm my get, gosh, get, like Yeah, yeah. my Huge. my diet suffers really bad.
1: I find with me, I'm if I go through something and oh. I'm really really sad or like really depressed, I'm either eating the worst things ever <laughs> or not eating at all. Yeah, like it's it's one or the other. It's never a healthy. Well, yeah, they, yeah.
2: It, there's that whole idea of well, I, better than eating nothing. So I'm just gonna. Plow whatever I can get my hands on into my face.
1: First thing I ate after a really bad breakup I went through was poutine. Mm. I think I didn't eat for three days. I live off that shit. <laughs>
2: oh, and then, like, just having a straight-up liquid diet. Like, there have been oh, days where I just fucking yeah. drank beer for two days. Oh, beer so, and coffee. Like, just straight-up liquid liquid same. diet.
1: Yeah. yeah. I used to... Okay, i like, this is where we'll probably get into the booze talk, because... <laughs> I used to drink very destructively yeah like I would be pissed and like str- like I'm stressed from work or I'm pissed off at something and I would drink and I would become such a fucking terrible person when I drank <laughs> like I would lash out at my friends Oof. and like purposely like try to make them feel shitty about stuff yeah. and these people I fucking love
2: oh yeah no I, these are I, people I, I love
1: and I would lash out
2: I've done it too I, I lived with my little sister for a while here in Halifax um, she's got a beautiful child now and she's got a house out in St. Peter's and she's got a great life and I, I really regret times when I drank way too much and sent some really hurtful shit uh, and sucks. you realize you have to grow as a person when you're like you, you look back and you're like what the fuck was I doing like this person right. did nothing but love me right. uh, and, and yeah it was maybe frustrating at times but you know I had no right to say those things uh, yeah and, in alcohol. Oh, it's a man. very difficult thing. I, w- I work at a local brewery, too. So, like, yes. my access to booze is just unprecedented.
1: And it's part... Of, and you would agree as well. Like, it's part of the service industry that when you're done, you have a drink. Yeah. That's yeah. just... Like, I dated someone who worked at... Oh. <clears throat> worked at a late-night establishment in Halifax. Um, And when we were together, I was not a big drinker. But he would be drinking... Almost every single time. Oh yeah, I, I and worked, I didn't like that at first. I worked in a kitchen in
2: a dive bar. Fuck, we. I worked yeah. twelve hours a day, six days a week, sometimes, and like my kitchen manager had a bit of a drug problem, and like oh, we would regularly get two eight packs of Bud, throw them in the freezer, and drink them over the course of a shift, and you're like it, it was functional drug addiction. Yeah. You know, it That's was what
1: it is because you don't realize. It's a problem, really, because you're just doing it every day and it's just and you get used to it and it's normal for you. Like, but me as someone who was dating someone like with that, I was just like, Jesus Christ, like you're coming home on a Wednesday night, like peeing in my closet. Like, what's happening? (laughs) Oh, no. Like, like, and I didn't get it, but I do know that it is part of it's part of the industry. Yeah,
2: but it's not something that we should normalize. And I think uh, this particular generation, like our age, uh, we've come to normalize that behavior a lot. Um, when I <laughs> big time, I, I had a laugh, um, because I was sitting in the bar that I work at earlier and I mentioned that I was going to be on this podcast and what we're, <laughs> we were going to be talking about. And I said, Yeah, we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, how maybe a messes. little bit of like, yeah, <laughs> stress and anxiety and depression among people our age and how we deal with it. And the bartender there went, Uh, we don't. And I was like, Yeah, that's kind of the point <laughs> is that we don't. We really don't. Most of us don't it's have it's avoidance function. Yeah. Most of us don't have functional outlets, and when we do, it's not enough, so we avoid the rest. Uh, So true. Yeah, it's fucked up.
1: Ding, ding. (laughs) I could not agree more. Like, I used to just, and especially with the alcohol thing, like, I used to drink to feel better all the time, and what I realized was, that is not the way to do it. When I'm pissed... Emotional or like any any negative emotion. If I put booze in me, mm-hmm. times that by ten, <laughs> and that's what you will get out of me. Right. I actually went to AA. Oh, wow. um, at one point in my life, because oh, believe me, I've
2: considered it. You
1: I know what? I had some what? legal
2: trouble. Legal, legal trouble back like a few years ago, and oh, it really? was yeah, it was rough. Shut. Um, I'm still not sure I can get across the border to the U S. Like, Whoa. Oh yeah, no, it was uh, all alcohol related too. It was fucked oh, up. Fuck. Uh, never once went there though never
1: it's it's one of those things like i look back at that time in my life and i'm like that was the worst fucking time in my life like i had a very bad experience with a guy listen to the s2 episode <laughs> um <laughs> uh, really bad experience with a guy i was lashing out with my friends i was like getting drunk all the time like i really hated my day job like really really hated it like was really not fulfilled in any way shape or form in my life and i was just drinking and then like pissing off my friends and my friends were like fuck this and then like i was losing people in my life and i was just like it was just a spiral and there was one night in particular that like i left a party really pissed and i went to the 24 hour superstore on barrington street and was hammered and was just like everything was crashing down on me like i was just like what is happening here like, why am I doing this? Why this is ridiculous? And I called a friend. This is like an
2: existential crisis. It in was the ice cream aisle.
1: I was actually like, yeah, I was in the twenty four hour superstore, like just walking the aisles, and I was like up by the bathroom, found an outlet for my phone, and was charging my phone there, just being like, can you please come pick? And it was a friend that I had known was sober, and he came and got me, and we went to we went to Freeman's actually, <laughs> and drank coffee at five a.m. And he's like, this is what we're gonna do. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna rest? And, like, he's like, you should maybe, like, just think about... He's like, I don't think you're an alcoholic, but I think you are a destructive drinker, and you might mm-hmm. have a, pr- like, you might have a problem. Right. Yeah, there's it's a difference so between alcoholism? being an alcoholic and exactly.
2: having an alcohol abuse
1: problem. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. And it's- so he's like, you know, like, if you want to go to a meeting, I'll go with you. And it might be good for some perspective. Right. And I went, and, like... I just got to say, I'm not a religious person. I know that there's, like, a religious aspect to it. Um, I got very emotional when I went. Yeah. Because you go in and everyone's just like, thank you so much for coming. Like, good job in coming. And, like, right. it's, like, this environment of, like, you did a good thing and just walking through these doors. Right.
2: You have to be hyper supportive. It's that kind of...
1: It's that unreal. Kind
2: of ...environment,
0: yeah.
1: And then, like, you know, like, I didn't talk or anything. I just listened. Right. And then I realized, I'm like Jesus Christ, Sarah. Like the problems you have are nothing in comparison to what these people have gone through in their lives. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I watch, and like I still have the coin. and I still look at it every now and then because right. I'm just, and it just says like one day at a time or whatever. And I still look at it because I'm just like that was the worst time in my life, and that was when I realized I cannot drink when I'm pissed. It's just not. Not good for me. Uh, I even stopped myself last weekend when I found myself getting pissed and I was out drinking and I was with a friend and I looked at the drink and I said, I have to stop and go home now. Right. Because if I don't, and if you don't take my phone away from me, I'm going to piss a lot of people off.
2: I, I'm, I'm lucky. I have this weird <laughs> reflex where I get to a certain level of drunk. Yes. And then just kind of like get up from the table like the Manchurian candidate and just walk out the fucking door.
1: Irish goodbye.
2: Yeah. And people are like, where the fuck did you go? I was like, I just went straight home and fell asleep with my socks on. Like, that's... My body was just like, get the fuck out of here.
1: So are you an, are you someone who gets emotional when you drink? Or like, gets... Like, what kind of drunk are you? I don't think I've ever seen you drunk. <laughs>
2: oh, you Let's definitely have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have
2: I? Most people don't know.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
2: that, And I think that's actually a big problem. Ooh. I've, I've had people just be like, no, I thought you were fine. You were super cool. And I was fucking straight blacked out. Like, I... I can lose two, three hours. And people are like, no, you were you were great. We were just hanging out, and you were funny, and, like, it was great. Whoa! And I'm just fucking lights on, nobody home.
1: I know a lot of people like that, though. Like, yeah. the next day they'll be like, oh, I was so drunk, and I was just like, mm, you seem fine.
2: Which, I mean, it, it's scary, too, because then it becomes, like, am I in functional alcoholism territory? Like, is right. that You gotta watch it a lot. You
0: really do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I tend to be, uh, glad, very gladly. I'm, uh, not an emotional drunk. I'm, I'm a jovial one. I, I always picture myself as like a Falstaff. I become, you know, jocular and, and strange and maybe a little too over, overly affectionate. <laughs> like,
1: Yeah. That sounds fun, though. Right, yeah.
2: And, again, (laughs) kind of dangerous. Where, like, I'm super shit-faced, and everyone's like, yeah, but you were all out of fun, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm killing myself. You (laughs) know? (laughs) Right? Oh, my
1: God! (laughs) It's so tricky. It really- Isn't it? Booze is a tricky- And, like, talking from a drunk podcast, where the whole show's based around- Drinking, but it's just—it it took me a long time to get it in check. Well, and,
2: and it's funny yeah. you say that because I think where we come from, it's part of the culture. Mm-hmm. It's just I—I I come from a family of drinkers. I come from a community where, oh yeah, it's just that's what you did to have fun. That's what you did when there was more than five people in a room. You know,
1: uh, part of the Canadian culture in general.
2: Yeah, yeah, we have a massive problem with binge drinking. Yeah, um, and it certainly doesn't help mental health in general and we also have a shit mental health uh, oh, yeah. uh yeah there's there's no help for people essentially and so we really have to learn to self-regulate i think yes uh and as young people i know i know folks who they run businesses that are aimed at wellness that you know flotation centers yes. uh reiki masters uh, massage therapists and I, these people are fucking highly stressed. Interesting. Even people in the wellness business uh, as young people in this day and age have a hard time dealing with their own stress.
1: Yes, it's, it's so Yeah,
2: it, it's it's pervasive. Um there I and I think there's a reason that like suicide rates are skyrocketing because it, it's hard to pinpoint any one cause, but like Nazis are back. That's great. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The housing market still sucks.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, a friend of mine recently, was. she turned to me and she was filling out all this paperwork. She seemed frustrated. She goes, oh my God. Patrick, have you ever bought a new car? I looked at her <laughs> and I said, Robin, I've never bought a fucking new couch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. I don't understand where people find money. What? Are they just finding it from the ground? Because I don't know about you, but like I look at people in my life and I'm like, and I hate this because I, I hate that money is such a, a thing that you like stress. I mean, money is the biggest stress in my life anyway. Yeah. yeah. But like, you look at people who like have things, that like houses, cars, coaches, <laughs> and you're like, we make maybe around the same amount of money. Maybe our expenses are kind of similar. It's like, how are you buying this? You well, know? I don't That's know. That's just you, what
2: I, I always think about. A lot it. of the folks that, uh, that I know who have those things tend to be in. Uh, pretty dedicated relationships so you like you're you're splitting the splitting the difference kind of thing uh, it'd be nice, nice. Uh, yeah I, I kind of <laughs> made myself persona non grata in the dating pool probably about four or five years ago well three four years ago yeah uh, yeah where I was just like I don't really know if this is for me I don't really think like I, I've decided to isolate myself uh, in,
0: mm.
2: in the effort to maybe learn more about myself um, yeah and get to a place where I could possibly do that but I think the longer I do it the more I'm just like well no it's not for me so it becomes this really weird place where you're like I am I gonna have to exist by myself for, for- the rest of my life oh like, my god thank
1: is- you thank you right thank you for saying that I think about that all the time
2: well you know marriage is the thing that it's kind of going by the wayside uh you know marriage statistics are down massively yeah uh, divorce is up crazily uh what are the
1: stats on divorce right now i'm not sure i mean
2: like but you know you see a lot of visible rise in things like polyamory um but how how does one function and create a household and and share bank accounts and stuff in in a polyamorous relationship i I I really honestly would have loved to talk to to jeremy uh about that when i was on turn me on and it never really occurred to me uh, I'm sure they have an episode about it. I should probably. Hey dig Jeremy, it up. <laughs> hey, come on, hey, Uh Yeah, you want to um,
1: yeah. tell me how to make that shit work. <laughs> Turn me on, ex- intoxicated. Still waiting on that. Would fucking love to ask you guys all the polyamory questions. <laughs> but um, oh, no, I totally freaking agree. I, I'm always thinking. I'm just like, I would be so much richer if like my rent was literally cut in half. All my bills were cut in half. Um, like I wouldn't be wasting food. I know that that's a weird thing to say. No, not like, at all. But like I cook and then I I eat it and I'm like, I'm done with this. And I will literally call my male friends over and be like, "You want to just eat the rest of my pizza? You want to just do that for me?" I well, got a much loaf of bread. Yeah. Last week I ate like four pieces of it. <laughs> okay, so we should probably eat together more. Yeah. We live close enough.
2: And like I I love cooking for people. I just don't do it cuz usually my apartment's kind of a mess. <laughs> it's just it, yeah, same story thing. of my fucking life.
1: I totally Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, I only cook when I'm Cooking for somebody, yeah, or like was, have a friend over. Luckily,
2: I've got uh, I've got an appointment with my doctor on the seventh to get like proper medication for my somewhat recently diagnosed ADHD. Oh, I I was taking like the cheap generic brand methylphenidate was, which is just, just like essentially Ritalin kind of thing, right? But it's you know the cheap generic brand Ritalin is basically like doing backyard meth. Fuck. Uh, you know you get shaky and sweaty and you don't eat and it, you know, you jittery kind of thing. I'm like, give me the expensive stuff. I need the good shit now that I've got medical coverage. And like, and that's the thing. At the time, I didn't have medical coverage, so I was like, give me $20 a month of whatever (laughs) bullshit you can. Right? Yeah. Basically, just sell me Crack Rock. That's fine.
1: I I don't have benefits right now, and I'm like (sighs) trying to get on birth control, and that's real hard to do. Turns out, I'm too stressed out for birth control. (laughs) I... uh, (sighs) Okay. Jesus. I had my blood pressure. Okay, so I went in for a, in all fairness, a cervical biopsy, which was very stressful. And not a fun experience. I can imagine. Any kind Um, of biopsy in general. Yeah, it's terrifying.
2: Let alone one where they have to go through your junk.
1: What's worse is that, like, they're like this is so normal and, like, there's a 95% chance that you're fine, but, like, we're just going to look. And I'm just like, I would almost rather there be a higher chance that I have cancer that I'm going through this than just, like, that it's just a normal thing to do (laughs) because it's so uncomfortable and painful that you're just thinking, like, is This better be worth it. Um, oh, God. That's terrible to think. But better get it. goddamn it's an uncom- lollipop. It's an uncomfortable experience. But, like, they, uh, when I was done, I had a doctor in front of me. And I don't have a family doctor in Halifax. And I was like...
2: Most of us don't.
1: Hey, can you give me the pill? I've been off it for a while, but I'm thinking about going back on it. And she was like, yeah, we can probably do that, but I'll have to take your blood, pr- blood pressure. And she took it, and she was like, it's actually technically too high for us to give you the pill. And I was like... Well, that might have something to do with the fact that you just like cut up my cervix. <laughs> like I'm a little stressed. I was come just on,
2: violated by medical instruments. Trying not so. to
1: get pregnant here. Yeah,
2: you want to give me like 25 minutes to chill out, and right? Then
1: maybe and come they back? did give me some, like, some time, like, like five or 10 minutes. And I look <laughs> up at the ceiling, and there's a sign that says, like, I don't even know. It was like some inspirational quote on the ceiling, and I just had to laugh because I was just like, this is ridiculous. But yeah. Turns out I'm too stressed out for birth control. Yeah,
2: I just imagine, like, the cat hanging on a clothesline. Yeah, I mean, something like, like that. Come on.
1: Yeah, it was like, believe in yourself or something. Like, I don't even know.
0: Hang in there.
1: Like, fuck, yeah, fuck I've never been on any type of, like, medication. <clears throat> other than birth control. I've never been on, like, I'm convinced I have ADHD. Mm. But, like, I don't want to be one of those people who's like, I have it. It took me, like, a decade self- to
2: actually get a, a diagnosis. God damn. At least, yeah. God uh, damn. And before that, I was working at a job I fucking hated, so I was on this absolute carousel of antidepressants, sleeping pills, anti-anxiety pills. Oh, like, There was wow. one time in my life I was on Ciprolex, I was on uh, Wellbutrin, uh, Zopaclone for sleep, I was on clonazepam for anxiety. I would, yeah, just fucking All at m- once? hardcore medicated. All oh, yeah.
1: So did you find that that just made you a total... Oh, you know, no, I, of I mean, it just have? turns
2: you into a, a baseline, essentially. <clears throat> right. just, you'd turn into a grayscale human being. God damn. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. like, It makes it a little easier to weather the storm. Like, It's, it's nice to not be crippled by anxiety attacks where your hands go numb and you start freaking out and you think you're having a heart attack and you have to, like, you know, leave. Like, I, I've gone to the emergency room multiple times. I once had uh, a paramedic with, uh, basically with post-traumatic stress be like, oh, no, this is, a, this is an anxiety attack. Like, I take these all the time. Like, I know what this feels like. Shit. Oh, yeah, I've gone in for multiple EKGs to make sure my heart's okay because I'm, like, I take anxiety attacks so bad that Fuck. I feel like I can't breathe and, you know.
1: Right. But, yeah.
2: Um, they've become mm, a little more rare over the past year or so. Yeah, same. Uh, I was working a really shit job I think for a while. I think that's
1: so much of it is yeah. not, is is working a super stressful, shitty job yeah. will be, like, the what? worst thing ever for anxiety. It's, uh, well...
2: It wasn't so much the job. It was just the nature of the job in that it made me feel like there was a cognitive dissonance there. Like, there was the person I wanted to be in that I pictured myself as. And then there was the reality of me going into this fucking mind-numbing, white-walled, cubicle job day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I remember the, the straw that broke the camel's back was this representative from RBC, like this... 60-year-old white woman came in and rewarded me for doing something that I was doing simply out of boredom, We're like revamping uh, standards of practice documents because there was no hot links. And they're like, Just, right. I, I had to teach a class on how to use keyboard shortcuts because the median age at this place was like 45, 50. Um, so I was this like wonderkind.
1: Oh my God.
2: And... She came in and gave me this... It was like a $30 gift card for Tim Hortons or whatever bullshit. And I held out my hand <laughs> for the handshake.
0: Because
2: I was yeah? like, oh, thank you. And I held out my hand for a handshake. And she came in for a hug. And I immediately just stood stock stiff. Like, uh, I, I was like, what is going on right now? I hate you. Oh, my Please God. Let go of me. And I looked around and everyone in the room was just... They saw how awkward it was and how uncomfortable I was. And I asked someone later on. I was like, did that... Was that as awkward as it felt? And she was, like, ten times worse. Like oh, it, my
1: God. Probably, yeah, worse watching Yeah, because part of me was
2: just like, don't touch me. Please don't right. touch me. And when you're working in one of those places with, like, a really robust HR staff mm-hmm. and, you know, really strict guidelines of workplace conduct, it's like, it's, <sighs> fuck you, don't hug me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 Right?
1: And, and did, did you kind of feel, like, in that job, like, that you were a number and not a person.
2: What it was was uh, I became a prop in, in a play. You know? Yeah. Uh, to to have this person hug me wasn't so much because they cared about me. It was because they wanted other people to see them act like a caring person. Oh, we so have I became employee morale. Their, we hug our employees. Yeah, I, I became a prop in this weird mm-hmm. play uh, that I wanted no part of. And so immediately my brain was just like, fuck this entire place. It's all a lie. You know this is yep,
1: yep, uh-huh. and so I
2: started taking anxiety attacks mm-hmm. because I was like, I can't believe I'm still here. I can't believe I'm pretending to give a shit about any of these people. Uh, you know, it I, so hard. Yeah, it was it was fucking bizarre. It was weird. Um, and, and I had a lot of my family. Like, it was a good job. It paid well. Good benefits and whatever. Right. Uh, and you have a lot of people from the baby boomer generation just going. Well, it's a good job. It's good pay. <sighs> Stick with it, you know.
1: You have all like, these things, just ignore all the bad stuff. Right, yeah,
2: just yeah, just forget about all that. Like, no, fuck that.
1: Well, that's how they get you to... That's how they suck people into staying, right? Like, these companies will... Like, they'll give you really good benefits. They'll give you some perks. They'll give you Tim Hortons gift cards. Yeah, they'll well, give you hugs. Like, they're doing this because they want you to fucking stick around most
2: of the people there had families you know they, they yeah. needed stability they needed the regularity they needed structure uh, yeah and, and they needed to do something that didn't really require much technical skill it was all like most of the people there were trained in HR and like the managers were very you know people oriented and whatever uh yeah but it was all just like Fuck. mediocrity it was all just How long middle were you of in the that? road uh, about a year Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's the fucking worst. Like when you are not, and don't get me wrong, like almost every single job is not perfect, but when you are that unhappy in your job, it really can take a toll on you.
2: Yeah. I, I, I swore to myself that I would never go back to working a job that wasn't for like a small local business. Right. Uh, because they sacrifice more to have good people. Yes. And, you know, they'll they'll do their best to take care of you, and you can feel every day like you're part of uh, a development, you know, part of a community, things like that. Um, yeah, the, you know, the the days of working as a Walmart greeter or, you know, working in a cubicle, I think a lot of people under, like, 35, 30 are getting really disillusioned by it. Oh, my Which God, is, I yeah. mean, because you see people making a living on etsy you see people making a living uh just through youtube ads you know it's there's so many opportunities for entrepreneurship yes oh my god thanks to the internet i mean
1: so fucking true though so yeah that's you make a great point about that because i never used to consider myself like someone who would start a business uh and well I started working for an entrepreneurship center so that kind of helped. <laughs> yeah, there you I was go. seeing all these little startups come up, but like even just having the show has like made me entrepreneurial mm. in a way. So it's less about like it's it's less about I need to find a day job that's pays me well. It's more like I need to find a day job that I like like enough and then I should really focus on my side hustle and like right. try to make some money off of that. Yeah. <laughs> It's entrepreneurial. It's all about balance, yeah. Yeah, I think more people are entrepreneurial than they think.
2: Yeah, you know, when you're trying to make money off of a passion or or something creative or whatever, yeah, that's an entrepreneurial spirit.
1: I mean, like, cam girls are entrepreneurial.
2: That is absolutely true. And that's a huge business. Uh Uh-huh. And not only cam girls, but then you have uh, websites like, I can't remember the name of them right now, but, like, you essentially just create, it's basically Etsy for porn videos that you make yourself
1: yeah, like solo ones. I mean,
2: whatever. You just it, it's... asking for a friend.
1: Well,
2: yeah, no. It, it, it's just you create porn videos by yourself, like you or with you and Whichever your production you like. crew yeah. or whatever the fuck production crew. You know, stunt dick.
1: You want in, Pat? Uh, let's let's do this. Let's make some porns.
2: Wouldn't be the first.
1: <laughs> really? Wait, what? This is taking a turn. <laughs> I'm uncovering things that I never thought I would with that.
2: I I don't know. I what can I say? I like <laughs> to show off.
1: <laughs> Too funny. Huh. the, yeah, the film background but, must be interesting when you're watching porn, right? Do you, do you like I'm analyze just like Who parts? the fuck? Lit this. <laughs> Is that, like, do you honestly think about that when you're watching porn? Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah?
1: Like, like things like the production aspects yeah, like, of it?
2: Yeah, like, who fucking edited this? Like, why would you put that shot there? That doesn't cut right. And also, <laughs> awkward. Um,
1: yeah. Angles, lighting. Yeah,
2: yeah. All right, I'm just like, I could do this. <laughs>
1: like, the sets are always the same. They're always, like, on a white coat. Well,
2: it depends on the genre. So, <laughs> you know, if it's... Gonzo porn and, and you know Being in the same set is kind of like Well this is the house where it all happens It's gonna happen there like the the casting couch Is like iconic Oh my god like, that,
1: that fucking couch I know
2: right Everybody How knows often that do they couch. clean
1: that thing A lot I hope spread,
2: Yeah I, it's a different couch every week <laughs> <laughs> I just burn the last one
1: But hey If we need a new couch maybe they'll sell it to us for cheap just
2: cover it in saran wrap. It's fine.
1: Honestly, like, like you bring up that coach <laughs> comment actually speaks to my soul. I know. Because I... when I hear friends buying coaches, I go, where did you get that money? Like, what? Yeah, I I'll... I got a new couch. I'm like, motherfucker. Like... This couch is from the the breakup that I had. It was his couch, yeah. and I inherited it.
2: I, I've never had a new piece of furniture in my life. It's all been... Hand me down. Me oh yeah, <laughs> like I bought it from the previous tenant, or I got it at a yard sale, or I got it at fucking oh, wise speak. buys or some shit. Yeah, it's from a second hand store. It's like not even IKEA furniture. I haven't. I can't even afford new IKEA furniture. And
1: it's pretty cheap. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like even when I look at IKEA stuff, I'm like, I still have to save a bit. Like it's not. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't just like, have that just money. Have two,
2: three hundred bucks a drop. Are you out of your fucking mind? It's insane.
1: Mm-hmm. Fuck. One day we're gonna be really much. With our porns that we'll make. <laughs> um, combined forces. Uh,
2: <laughs> That's right. Collaboration. The spirit of collaboration.
1: Oh, man. Let's take a, I, like, what I like to call an intoxicated, a very hard turn into sad town. Because um, we were going to talk about mental health stuff. Sure. Um, What? There's no eloquent way for me to say this. What makes you... S- sad <laughs> that's a dumb question i guess more what i'm asking is is you said that you you have adhd you deal yep. with anxiety and depression when did all of this start for you like was this something that started early in life like oh yeah because of the bullying right Well, you no know,
2: maybe not because of the bullying but like i i just have an ability to see the the ugly side of things you know yeah. you, when when you're observant when you're empathetic when you uh you, like i don't i don't shy away from the shitty stuff and like i've had people no. I, i've even had therapists Oof. look at me and go well why don't you not think about that
1: i'm like I, oh really am i paying you
2: 200 dollars an hour to tell me maybe oh. don't do that like fuck you and also
1: you can't tell someone just not to yeah think like about how something. about you just not
2: think about that
1: did you like um... I understand that
2: you grew up in a well-to-do white family and probably had your whole fucking university education paid for but like yeah no I don't have the luxury to just not think about that
0: Right Uh
2: and something really stuck with me uh I'm I'm a big movie buff and uh, one of my favorite books of all time is Akira Kurosawa's something like an autobiography it's his autobiography but it talks about his childhood uh, up to when he started working in movies and his childhood was pretty brutal. Like Japan in that time in the early 1900s was very strict. It was still very regimented, uh, and very repressed. People weren't, especially men weren't, uh, it was very frowned upon for them to express themselves, mm-hmm. uh, through anger and through sadness and whatnot. And Kurosawa was apparently a very emotional kid. You know, he, he cried a lot and would take these tantrums and whatnot, uh, which I, I kind of identified with, uh, And he was, he was called gifted, which I was, which I think did more damage than anything else in my childhood. (sighs) Being called gifted and and being told that you're like exceptional, uh, was very damaging to you. Because you skipped the grade. Well, yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, I I tell people all the time, it's like, yeah, I was, I was called gifted in Cape Breton. It's like (laughs) top of the turd pile, right? (laughs) Uh, and, what really stuck with me in the book was uh, there's this passage when he talks about his older brother taking him out after the great Kanto earthquake and this was an earthquake that killed hundreds maybe thousands of people and uh, they were walking down this bridge that they had walked by countless times and they were looking over the the river and there were dead bodies just floating down the river and Kurosawa at this point started to cry you know he started to to freak out a little bit and his brother forced him to, to look at it and in the book, he says that at that point, he realized that being an artist means never having to avert your eyes, you know, never having to look away, and yeah, that has stuck with me uh-huh. in that like I yeah, you know I, I might be depressed and I might be anxious, and I might have a really difficult time with stuff, but I'd rather do that than not look at it yeah um than than to be one of those people who just doesn't understand it and kind of goes through life ignorant of that um. So you know, true. yeah, I, I I'll I absolutely take being depressed and, and and rational over being ignorant and happy.
1: Totally agree. Yeah, do you watch Black Mirror?
2: I do. I love Black Mirror. I mean, I'm a big fan of science fiction on all levels.
1: So, like that episode, I don't know. If, did you watch the most recent season all of, of Black them, Mirror? Yeah. So, like Archangel kind of touches on that. Like the whole, uh, it's the one Black. where. Um, the parent controls what the girl can and cannot see. Right, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. The censorship thing. Yeah,
1: that was a fascinating well, yeah, one. because
2: it drives, it drives kids, uh, to want to experience those things, you know? You know, if you don't show someone something, they're going to be even more curious.
1: Yeah. And, which is interesting, because I feel like, I feel like, nowadays, especially with, in, like, media, and, like, TV and movies and all this, like, for example, the show 13 Reasons Why, like, that has a graphic depiction of suicide mm. in the show. And a lot of people are like, that shouldn't be on there. They shouldn't have put that in there. And I'm just kind of on the on the fence of like, well, this is what it is. Like, this right. is what and, s- is actually happening. And that's the
2: attitude that I, I really hate with this day and age. Like, censorship has gone to another level. And now you have Big people time. arguing on both sides that, you know, we, you shouldn't be able to say this. You shouldn't be able to say that. You shouldn't be able to to do this. And you have artists kind of in the middle being like, I want everyone to experience what this is and not be blind to it. So Uh if you have people saying, like, I don't want to see suicide, that's triggering to me. And it's like, it should fucking be triggering.
1: Absolutely. It's horrifying. Yes. And you have to
2: learn how to deal with that and not just say, I don't want to see that. It triggers me.
1: Because you're not always going to be able to control that. Right. Something might come up and happen that, like, you're going to have to see it.
2: Well, yeah, and... I, I think a lot of that comes from the disconnectedness that we have from the internet culture yeah. it's that we can experience things uh, and, and be so distant from them that it never really affects us personally. And we can choose what we want to see and what not to see. Mm-hmm. Uh. But in, in real life, we don't have that option. You might say okay. like, I experienced this and I never want to see it again. So you saying it on the internet I'm angry and think you shouldn't be able to do that and it's like well no just because you experienced it and you don't want to experience it again doesn't mean you just you can just turn it off so when you're when you're watching media when you're you know reading a book when you're you, you know uh, yeah, you went through this awful thing, and you should be trying to connect with other people who saw those awful things or have experienced them, and you should yeah. be using your experience to enrich other people's lives yes. instead of saying, I'm triggered, I don't want to see this. I don't think anyone should Thank ever joke. You.
1: Thank you. Yes! So, and, yeah. 100%. 100%. And the it, the censorship thing as well, I feel like it's, it's reached a point where it's like people are trying to ban stuff now. Like, there's a new show... I read about it called like Insatiable or something like that. It's mm-hmm. like a Netflix. And okay. it's like portraying like a larger woman or whatever. And like people said it was fat shaming. And like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be on Netflix. Ban it. Ban it. And it's just like if if that's triggering for, you know, people who have eating disorders, okay. Like, don't watch it, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. But don't ban it well, basically for other like people not to watch it.
2: It's modern book burning, is what it is. Yeah. It's fucked. And if I was to suggest that we burn every book with depictions of, I don't know, the military, because I don't agree with... You know, I'm a pacifist. I don't agree with the military, so let's burn every book ever yeah. that described yeah. combat. You right? Know? But I've read uh, And No Birds Sang by uh, Farley Mowat. I've read The Red Badge of Courage... Uh, by Stephen Crane you know I've read countless uh, Hemingway novels and like being able to to experience those things vicariously through someone who experienced them directly and I say that but uh, technically Stephen Crane never experienced the Civil War Um, hmm. he just made a very astute depiction of it but yeah refusing to learn from those people when they're trying desperately to show the world how complex and uh, and meaningful these things are is a disrespect to all the people who've gone through it before Mm -hmm. you know uh, if you have an artist that experienced sexual assault say Mm -hmm. and they try to express it in a way that depicts sexual assault and you have people crying for it to be banned or taken
1: down then
2: you're, you're essentially gutting that person's entire life's work uh huh. You know?
1: Yeah. Uh huh. So true.
2: Yeah. You're, you're making their experience meaningless, uh, which is horrifying to me.
1: Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and like on the other hand, like I do understand the triggering. Like when we did the Us 2 episode, like I, I did one for the podcast, and it was four different women coming from four different experiences, all of which were non consent consensual experiences, mm. varying levels of that. Right. All very bad. But, like, in the intro, I was just like, yeah, if you're... Like, don't listen if you can't...
2: Right. You you have to it, give people the option. You have to give people the option, yeah. Right.
1: And the thing is, is, like, if you're finding yourself triggered by a lot of things, I, th- I feel like you should maybe get some help. Like, well, yeah. I feel like maybe you should investigate that a little further. Well,
2: and I think... Uh... That kind of naturally comes to uh, the issues of mental health, yeah, uh, and and taking care of that and access to mental health uh, among young people or or among Canadians or Americans at large. Um, Like, there's is a massive epidemic, yeah, and so people choose to just disengage Mm -hmm. instead of facing it in healthy ways because they don't really have options to do so, uh, which, again, is terrifying.
1: It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And luckily, I guess I was kind of born with the, the mental faculties to deal with. It. And I still, to this day, like I I come off as cold sometimes. I come off what? as, yeah, I, I, I mean, mean, I'll say things to people in all honesty and they'll say, well, you're being mean to me or that is really Sad, like that makes me really sad, and I wish you hadn't said that and all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, I'm just trying to express myself honestly, right? You're Um, just being real, yeah. And and my Uh worldview is, yeah, a little bit cynical, I guess, in a lot of ways. Uh, but I think there's a lot to be said about engaging that head on because it, if you're ready to talk about it and say, like, okay, like that. Is sad, but like let's talk about it and maybe make a joke about it or whatever. Right. Uh, then sure, like that. That's what was it? John Cleese said, I think, uh, from Monty Python. Uh, <laughs> if you're gonna be, pe- if you're gonna tell people the truth, dear God, make them laugh or else they'll kill you. <laughs> so true,
1: though. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. yeah. Because you made a comment like earlier when we were just kind of chit-chatting beforehand, like that you were making dead, mo- like so your mom passed away.
2: Yeah, December second of last year.
1: So sorry about that. <laughs> um, but you you said that you used humor, like you you were making oh, all jokes. The time, yeah. How long after? Oh god, weeks. So what was that? I know that you touched on this on "Turn Me On," but what was that experience like? Like, uh, I I still. And this is a podcast for another time, Sarah. I have a <laughs> obsession with death and that I'm absolutely terrified and fascinated by it in a weird way. Um, I don't know how I am I would ever deal with something like that. Well, yeah,
2: I'm lucky because I, I was prepared by the amount that I read. I, I read a lot and, uh, specifically Stoic philosophy, Marcus Aurelius, um... Seneca, Epictetus, a lot of these great Romans, and the idea behind stoicism, it, it, a lot of people think Stoic as being this stone wall and you know unfeeling and unflinching. but really at the, at the heart of it, stoicism is about letting something affect you and then pass through you and realizing what is good and what is bad, what you can control, what you can control, and then dealing with it from there. Right. so I would step back day to day and think okay well this is what's happening this is what could happen this is what I can affect this is what I can do I gotta try and do what I can do and if these other things happen well they're gonna happen and the Stoics view death as as natural as birth it's, right. it's a natural part of everything Oh my God. everything so- dies
1: yeah I don't like it it's fine yeah
2: they say that uh anything so natural can't be harmful it can't be bad you know it, it's as natural as births why they're not even two different things they're the exact same thing uh-huh the begin the 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 start and cessation of life are essentially
1: mm-hmm.
2: two things that are needed to encompass a life
1: if Lightning something crashes t- by the band live, is all about that.
2: There you go. If something mm-hmm. were to be born and never die, it would be unnatural.
1: Yeah.
2: If yeah. something. It's,
1: it's, yeah, it's not. If
2: something were to die and rise again, it would be unnatural.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
2: So these two things are perfectly natural, so why be afraid of them?
1: You're totally right. And yeah. I don't know why I'm terrified. I'm just oh, It's human condition, ter- ter- you know. We,
2: we can't really conceive of non existence. Uh, Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I I got to talk with my mother a lot, which was great. She had a bone marrow transplant. It was a myeloid splastic syndrome, uh, a a precursor to a very serious type of bone cancer. So it was necessary that she have a a bone marrow transplant. And uh, she came to Halifax and was preparing for the transplant which meant a lot of like heavy radiation they had to destroy her entire immune system blast her bone marrow uh to nothing and and ultimately that that was what killed her was the uh the radiation treatment
1: shut up seriously Uh, yeah the
2: bone marrow transplant was actually successful but uh it destroyed her lungs in the process so it was it was bittersweet in that respect but I'm thankful because I got to spend so much time with her in the mm-hmm. weeks leading up to it, mm-hmm. and we got to talk a lot and uh and I learned essentially it it bettered my life in a lot of ways because i my brother and father got into a fist fight the morning that my mother went from Cape Breton to Halifax because they both didn't really know how to deal with their emotions they mm-hmm. they both come from a very Egocentric, male-oriented place. Uh, they have that real energy, and they've always had a lot of animus between them. My brother is my half brother, so not my father's son, essentially. Oh, okay. So there's, it's a, a complicated situation. But uh, they got physically violent that morning, and I remember being in a room and screaming at the two of them, and talking down to them like I was a school principal. Like I was, I was talking to them as if uh, you know, I, from a place of authority and that was really meaningful for me because I wouldn't have had the opportunity. Right. Uh, luckily I was prepared to deal with this kind of stuff because I had immersed myself in very depressing, if for lack of a better term, uh, very real literature. You know, I'd read crime and punishment. I'd read, uh, a lot of Albert Camus, you know, I've read existentialism. I've read stoicism, like philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, and while I didn't really feel I understood it, I'd never taken classes on it or whatever, it prepared me best to deal with this kind of stuff. And uh, it made her very proud of me mm. to, to do that, to stand up uh, and get angry and talk down to these people who had had this authority over my life uh, prior. Right. And, uh, yeah. You're standing up. Yeah. You're doing something about it. Um. So I, I have to take... Those positive things from that experience, in that it helped me grow as a, a person.
1: Gosh, I can imagine.
2: Well, yeah you you have to uh, you have to find the good in everything, and, and it's real being hard. able to view death as as perfectly natural as a natural uh, process really. Uh, it's the only reason I'm not in a heap, you know, uh, and because I had a a, a great set of co-workers and a great job uh, where I was surrounded with very supportive people who... So important. uh, Yeah, yeah. uh, This, like, small town brewery that I work at with, like, very tight-knit community.
1: Like a family. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, And so, yeah, I count myself lucky. Most people don't have that opportunity.
1: Were you someone who talked, like, when that happened, um, the grooming process did you talk about it a lot, or was it more of a, you were going through this and you had support, but, like, did you actually talk about it and how you were feeling in an honest way, or was it more of something that you were dealing with and you just had these people around you kind of thing?
2: Oh, yeah. No, I, I would never shy away from it. I don't I'm shy not. away That's from good. talking about anything, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think being candid is the only way to live life. I don't understand people who just like, no, I don't want to talk about that. I I get it. Sure. If that's, but I've, I've found it very enriching to my life to just be able to talk to anyone about anything. Um, and if anything, I, I find my life far more robust because I speak to people. And that's, I mean, that's why I've been on so many of the the podcasts, uh, in Halifax, why I had one. Um, yeah and, and you know for one reason or another people tend to enjoy listening to me which is nice i'm
1: i'm just just like enthralled right I, now yeah I, I i really
2: I... like uh reading to people is something that oh, nobody wow. does so yeah i I'm, I'm trying to bring that back you should yeah I mean, I, like, I hate
1: reading. I'm I'm a shit reader. Well, were you, you, can you, reading have any you ever sat in a
2: room where you know someone was reading a book and you're just kind of like farting around doing something?
1: I mean, like that's in my mind, that's what a podcast or an audiobook would be.
2: Yeah, I, I'll often look up and be like, uh, "Well, can I just read out loud?" And they're like, uh, "You should yeah, try I guess. to be like
1: someone who reads audiobooks and like records." Them.
2: I did that for a while, actually. What the that. fuck, seriously? Well, you remember Josh McPhail? We went to school with him. Yes, ago? Josh. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so, Josh, if you're listening, <laughs> when, I, when I was living with him. Uh, he got really into H. P. Lovecraft for a while, so uh, I would read H. P. Lovecraft short stories, and he would put in sound effects and like oh do gosh. all the sound engineering, and we were going to turn that into a podcast, and we recorded like three episodes, but it never really got anywhere. Oh,
1: make it happen!
2: Just like, just like everything else, Josh and I ever did, like we were just like ne'er do wells.
1: Damn, I couldn't agree more about the whole talking thing, though. Like, yeah. and I think both of us, this comes natural to us talking. Um my worry, than therapy, I'm telling you. This is this is intoxicated therapy for you yeah. guys. Um my worry is that these people and like in particular men, um who feel they can't because of the whole ooh, it's not manly or you're not a man if you talk and cry. Like the crying thing is huge. Well and I like, I it's such a fucked
2: up situation where I, I've had moments in my life where I'm just like, I'll cry, but if there's another guy in the room who makes fun of me for it, I'll also punch him in the mouth. So it's just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. what's what's masculinity to you, you know? Is it yeah. repressing yourself? That's... The, the masculinity I've found is confidence is uh, is being able to defend other people who are weaker than you, uh, you know? It's to be a champion of... of really things that you believe in and to be firm in your beliefs uh and be unswayed mm. and, and it's ve- it's got little to do with gender roles yeah and i think that's where the biggest mistake is like that's not mainly because that's a thing that girls do it's like fuck off
1: and this is my this is my thing like i'm friends with so many guys and i just over the over the years have been making a point to check in with friends and like we talked about earlier the idea of checking in and because i do see in particular males and it's not just males but in particular um purposely not talking about stuff because they and and some of them have told me it's because i don't want to feel like less of a man and i just and i don't know the way around this And I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling with that, you know? like. And what I would
2: tell all of those men is that really all it comes down to is how confident are you in how you live your life? And and why are you so concerned with what other people are going to think of you? If it makes you feel like less of a man, then that's maybe just change the goalposts. Maybe just reevaluate what being a man is to you. And, and inspect where those ideas came from in the first place. I think that's what most people don't do. Hundred percent. Yeah. In that, like, uh, that's gonna make me feel like less of a man. Okay. Well, why would why? that make you? Oh, well, because that's what girls do. And you're like, well, it's, well, <laughs> well open up why? your idea of what a man is. You yeah.
1: Know? Why? Why is the fact that girls are doing that? Why does that make it weak? Yeah, you know, as well. Like it's like yeah. weakness. Maybe Those are girls, all relative terms. Yeah, we're socialized to cry. Like it's a normal thing for us to cry. Yeah, because we're socialized as emotional that, people.
2: That's a good point in that like this is what society deems to be manly. Well, when the fuck has society steered me in the right direction?
1: And like it I and this sounds weird, but like when I see a guy really embrace and admit to his emotions and go there, I breathe a sigh of relief. Well, yeah, and I like, know that that sounds weird, but I get really nervous and I've had it happen with cl- like close friends where it's like they're freaking out and they're yelling and they're raising their voice at me and they're getting like very like in my face and they're saying I'm not angry. And I'm just thinking like, "Oh my god."
2: Right, like you don't like even you know. Like you can't
1: even admit that this is anger. Right, it's okay yeah. to be angry. Yeah. I'm angry all the time.
2: Yeah, but it's admit a lack it. of self-awareness. Exactly. Um And
1: it's so scary.
2: Yeah, it it can be terrifying. And men don't really realize. And and Margaret Atwood uh, said, and I love this. uh, I think the quote was, um, men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Mm -hmm. Women are afraid that men will kill them.
1: Yes, that's so true.
2: Right. And men don't realize that. Like, you're you're angry and you feel entitled to that and you feel damaged and and like you're not a man and it's like that's all you man and like, the worst that's all of, you and
1: the worst part of that is is that if you're a woman and you do get a little bit scared by somebody a male in your life and you express that you're overreacting
2: right yeah
1: and that's you're hysterical a, that's you're, a big yeah. big problem um right. and so like i don't even and i wish i knew a solution to this um, I wish therapy was cheaper. I wish it was available to everybody. Right. Because I genuinely think, and maybe you can speak to your experience in therapy, but like I just, there's not a person in my life that could, couldn't benefit from it. Like everyone I can benefit I just think from more it.
2: men should be open to pegging. Like, so just fucking, <laughs> just change your fucking perspective for 10 minutes.
1: I love that that came out of nowhere. <laughs> that stuck up on me in the best way. I loved that.
2: Right. Like, cry at a movie for fuck's sakes. Take it in the butt. Bake some fucking cookies. Do like, Yeah. Get in touch. Do something without the context of whether or not it's right for your gender to do. It doesn't fucking matter. Because then you might not... If you not... do it and you enjoy it, why does it matter?
1: And you might not... Then drive a van into people, you know? Right, yeah. Like, this is what it is. This is what it is. Spend less
2: time on the internet, get to know people, uh, you know, get to know women, not just to have sex with them, (laughs) sit down and talk to them like human beings.
1: Yeah, they don't owe you sex.
2: Right. Get to know their experiences, do something that they find fulfilling, and see if you find it fulfilling. Because what you find fulfilling isn't defined by society.
1: Uh Uh-huh. God damn it's so it's it's so true oh man it's just so scary and i and i'm the type of like friendship to me is so important i i my friends are my family and when i know someone's going through something and they aren't talking about it it makes me very nervous um, but again, that's coming from me who's like, I'm an open book. I talk, 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 talk. Sure. So I know that people have different ways of dealing and I trust that they're okay. Um, but it does make me nervous sometimes.
2: Yeah. Sometimes you just kind of have to let people come to you.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You need to just say, I'm here. I'm seriously here. I'm willing to listen. Please but let me know. If you, it, it can be hard you know. to
2: know when to push and when not. Um, because sometimes people need that little extra, like, listen, you're like, I think you need to talk about this. And even if it's just like we scratch the surface, like let's just five minutes. That's it. Um, I think that's really important too, as someone who, like we said earlier, like avoidance is a, a large part of how our generation deals with anxiety and depression and mental health. Uh, you know, I'm not, totally into backing people into a corner but sometimes people need to be challenged a little bit
1: yeah you know big time oh 100 percent.
2: but it it takes a gentle touch yeah and and they might hate you for it it can't be heavy-handed yeah um yeah and they might which is fine
1: and that's they might hate
2: you for it first and then grow to really care about you after that um obviously people don't like to be challenged but again it's I've known some people who needed to be challenged and who I challenged and who just dropped the whole thing and were like fuck this fuck you I'm done I'm right. out. and, and that's, it's like okay well, so you just chose to not
1: you chose to approach not this. even try yeah you're not even going
2: to engage this you're not going to take any responsibility you're not going to admit any kind of fault you're not going to admit any insecurities it's just no fuck you for saying that to me I'm out yeah. And it's like, all right, well, you – like, I had no chance to begin with. You, you – you know, tr-
1: and you tried. Is right. The thing. And not everyone tries. And, like, honest to God, though, like, this is something that I struggle with where I'm – I very much so take that approach as well. Like, where if I'm worried or if something is popping up as a bright red flag to me, like, I will challenge it. And I am that person to challenge it. But I'm in a sea of friends that are very passive. And then – so then – my struggle becomes how do I challenge this? Mm. Because I'm a very energetic person, and sometimes I can come at you too hard. Right, and that's not good.
2: <laughs> yeah, people can be skittish. Yeah, it it, it takes.
1: So a you have to almost finesse. refine how you do it. Yeah, and you, as the person who is challenging that person, needs to really think about how you're going to go about that.
2: Well, and, and you know, if they're a close friend, obviously, like you, you should know which paths to take. But, uh, yeah, I think people are a little too afraid of challenging one another these days as well. Um, you know, people are more inclined to be apologetic, to, yes. um, give people too much space, you know, the, the whole idea of like giving someone enough rope to hang themselves kind of thing.
1: Yes! Yeah. Oh, so true. Uh, that's And that, that's what's always concerning with me. Like, I'm always the one who... Like, I'm going to at least send you a message. At the very fucking least, you're getting a message from me. Yeah. Whether you see it, read it, do anything about it, that's up to you. But I'm even the type... Like, I will see concerning statuses on Facebook. And mm. I don't know these people that well, but I'll sometimes reach out just because I feel... You know, and some people see that, and they're like, "Oh, they're they're looking for attention," or uh, right. like, and I'm just like, "No, I I can't take that risk." Well, Sorry, I mean, it, it's hard to you uh, know,
2: like it's hard to differentiate regular works. old attention seeking behavior and mental health attention seeking behavior. Considering most of our behavior is attention seeking nowadays, you know, social media. That's essentially the whole fucking thing. Is I want to make my life seem super cool, or I want to yeah. have people care about me, and I'm gonna scream it at, at the fucking mountaintops. Um, so differentiating between those actual like cries for help versus those calls for attention, yeah, it's impossible. It's you know, really it's a hard. roll of the fucking dice most of the time, um, and that's the kind of thing that yeah, mental health professionals should be dealing with, and uh-huh. it's one of the negatives about having this constant public forum you know i've I've kind of fallen disillusioned with a lot of social media nowadays like i haven't posted on twitter in two years like i'm fucking done with twitter uh instagram from time to time maybe facebook mostly i'm just there to lurk and keep (laughs) abreast of like local uh events and concerts and well like whatever uh, other than that, I'm like I'm more or less done with the internet.
1: I'm I'm doing an episode about it tomorrow. My <laughs> my my afternoon episode tomorrow is all about social media and this particular guest. Like find that has episode deleted, on iTunes. Has de- <laughs> yeah, really though. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook. Um, this particular person has chosen not to like like he he's deleted accounts. I've taken social media breaks before where I've deactivated accounts, and it's done wonders for me. Which is odd because I have a love hate relationship with the medium, but it's good sometimes. It's good to be aware of this shit.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's a hard uh, hard situation to navigate sometimes, but uh, I think the coping mechanisms that we've collectively developed uh, of you know rampant escapism and binge watching and escapism. you know right yeah I, I've been doing that since I was fucking.
1: Can we talk about the dominatrix for a moment? <laughs> I want to Apropos about of this. nothing.
2: Apropos of nothing. Yeah, go um,
1: Escapism. That's a very interesting... So, yeah. when you were... So, you hired a professional dominatrix.
2: I did, yeah, a few times.
1: When, when did you start doing this? Was it right after your mom died? About a month, yeah. Okay. So, why did you do that?
2: Always something I was interested in. Uh, I had been party to a few nightshade parties and, like... You know, a, a few, of the, like, the fetish parties and things like that. Um, and it was cathartic. Um, I imagine. The way I described it on Turn Me On was uh, emotional alchemy. Yeah. So you're taking this metaphysical pain that you can't understand or you don't have the, the capacity to deal with, and you're turning it into something that you can refine, something that you can deal with, which for me was grief turned into physical pain, you know, uh, turned into... Uh, of release, Uh, the whole idea of a dominatrix where you're told what to do and you don't need to do anything. You don't have to make any decisions. You are totally bent to somebody else's will.
1: You just do it.
2: Right, yeah. You're told and
1: you just do it. You're an
2: object of someone else's desires or whims. Yeah. Uh, And you're made to endure things. And it's that whole idea of finding pleasure in endurance and not in pain. Um, (sighs) Yes. Such yeah. an interesting
1: way to look at it because I don't think I ever looked at it like that before.
2: Well, and, uh, the woman that I hired and I'll say it here, um, Mistress, uh, Annabella Payne. She's based out of Dartmouth, uh, the Society of Bastet and she is not only, uh, professional, very beautiful, highly intelligent, Damn. very, very highly intelligent. We, we spoke a lot before and after the sessions about a lot of these things. Um, and she has a, a lot of experience obviously with fetishism and uh and with the psychology of it. That's, I found it absolutely fascinating. Damn. Yeah.
1: That's so cool.
2: Yeah. Um and did you guys talk
1: like did you guys have like conversations? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: 15 20 minutes before and after. That's good though. Yeah, we would just, you know, we would connect as people. Yeah. Which was really good. nice. Yeah, it, it was uh, a lot more personal than I thought it would be. Uh And she told me a lot about the relationships that she has with a lot of uh, the people who come to see her. And a lot of them are the kind of people you wouldn't expect, you know, foremans on a a, a lumber yard or like, uh, you know, professionals, Um, you know.
1: It's so fascinating. Guys
2: who are, you know, rich with big dicks or whatever who come and like essentially prostrate themselves because – they need to be, like, checked a little bit. Or, or they... They put in their
0: place! Or
2: maybe because they, you know... There's... I, I think a lot of people have this voice in the back of their minds that's like, I maybe I just need to be taken down a peg, you know?
1: Yes. You know, you might have that
2: modesty bug in the back of your head where you're like,
1: uh-huh. maybe I'm getting
2: a little too full of myself here. Maybe I should just fucking take it down a notch.
0: I love or that. Or maybe I
2: should challenge myself
0: uh-huh. against
2: a powerful woman. <sighs> because, like... A, what I understood uh, from some of the cases that she told me were these guys who were just like lady killers who needed to, like, they were cocky. They would come and talk shit to her while they were, like, bound and, Ooh. you know, strapped to whatever. And they'd be talking shit.
1: They're and, brats. Yeah, yeah. a brat. It- yeah. You know what? I found out. I did BDSMquiz.org. Yeah, org. there you go. I'm mostly sub. On FetLife. <laughs> and my second highest was brat. There you go, man. Right. See
2: a lot of that Yeah So essentially that You know The, the psychology of it Was really fascinating to me And I would I, Like honestly I would Damn. absolutely love To do it more often But it's it's not cheap you know, like, I was going like, to
1: say So I'm like my main question About that is Is like That's really cool Like how did you So when you were In the process of grieving And right. um, going through that How did you land on I'm going to hire A dominatrix Like
2: It was, something it was just a curiosity I, It's something I was always Interested in Right um, because i obviously experimented with bdsm in my personal life got yeah um but i always found myself on the dominant side of things a lot of the women that i was with tended to be more towards submissive they wanted to be dominated so it was really difficult to find someone who was comfortable in that role yeah. so i thought well i might as well hire a professional interesting right yeah like this person does it they like to do it you know they they're good at it uh, they have the tools why not And it was absolutely worth it, mind you. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's something that even the people in my personal life who have been open to it, it, you know, there's a learning curve there as well. You know, there's a lot of, like, making them comfortable. So being in a submissive role but also having to kind of make the other person comfortable being in a dominant role mm-hmm. You're th- Like there's there's a lot of complicated nuances to oh my God, the yeah. power dynamics oh my uh, God. in a relationship like that which again is why I really like the BDSM community and the power dynamics uh, of sex
1: It's fascinating are, like, yeah
2: it's really cool to me um, I've always found myself very attentive to other people yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes that means I kind of jump into bed with people uh, a little quickly, <laughs> if only to experience, like, to me, it's almost like a different kind of conversation. Yeah. It's, you don't really know anyone until you know them in that kind of vulnerable state. Oh,
1: my God. Yes. It's um, so true.
2: And you learn a lot about someone in that state, which uh, it, it, it's difficult, too, because when you view sex and intimacy that way I, I find it makes it a lot more difficult to have traditional monogamous relationships as well because people get really angry at you for wanting to experience people in that way um mm-hmm. yeah it, it, but something I think is becoming more and more accepted uh, yeah. in the recent years uh
1: intimacy, yeah. intimacy is to- like intima- intimacy is my main challenge Yeah, I don't know how to get there don't know how to get that.
2: What kind of intimacy, though? Are we talking emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, intellectual? Like, how... All of the
1: above. Like, like, like sex to me has become, and it worries me, how casual it's become with me. It's literally a physical activity. Um, the people I do it with, it's like, I have a lunch break, so I'm going to come over and bang you and leave. And... So, what's happening is, is, like, these people aren't taking the time to really get to know me. Right. Or, like, what I want, da-da-da-da-da. they are not sticking around after. So, literally, like, you come, you're, out, like, you're not even laying beside me afterwards. So, so I'm not even getting that, like... I, I
2: was going to say, I, I like how I say you, because um, my follow-up question would have been, like, how often do you get off in these encounters? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You want it real. You got it. I I can make it happen if I'm provided the right platform for that. And by that I mean. And by that (laughs) I mean. you got to do a lot
2: of the legwork yourself. Put me
1: on top and I'll be fine. All right. But that's me making it work. Like I've mentioned this a number of times in the show. But like if if I'm on top, um, that's mostly me doing that you know what I right mean? exactly you're um, it's it's
2: glorified masturbation at that point exactly right so like
1: sex has become so casual and like listen there's nothing wrong with casual sex i it's just i've been doing it for six years i mean you're also I mean, you also just
2: admitted to it being glorified masturbation meaning that the other person is essentially non-essential
1: yeah you know uh, it like why? W- w- what's going on here?
2: Like right. And, and like I
1: feel kind of like a flashlight.
2: I well, but I've also kind of done that too, where I am just like I. Somebody's like, "Hey, you want to go home after the bar?" And I'm like, "Not really, no. <laughs> I'm just gonna go home and jerk off and then go to bed." Because like, sometimes I don't, you just need that immediate release. I, well, and, I, yeah, and yeah, and I also this whole thing is gonna take a lot out of me like this whole physical interaction you're gonna come back and like we're gonna argue about whether or not you should stay over and then like (laughs) i just i don't have it in me and it's weird because
1: when i think of intimacy i think of it in terms of baby steps like i have not slept beside another human in i think like four years so like i've never had that i haven't had that sleepover aspect of a sexual relationship to right. me, it's just like just lay beside me for like a little bit, and like maybe let's talk a bit, or like let's watch a fucking movie. I don't well, know.
2: And even anything. when people are sleeping in my bed, I fucking I don't sleep well next to another person. <laughs> maybe I don't. And that's it's hard to admit. And uh, some people I think are hurt by that too. Where you're just like, you need to go. I got to work in the morning. I can't sleep I with you in my do- bed.
1: In fact, if I if I banged a dude and went to his house and banged him. And if we had a great evening and he was like, Yeah, you should probably not. Like, if he said something like, Don't stay at right. night, I wouldn't be offended. I would be relieved because right. it's so, like, sleeping beside somebody is so intimate in my mind. It's one of the most intimate things.
2: Well, and that's another thing that I found really, uh, really interesting about my mother's passing is that uh, I didn't really have anyone, and not only intimate sexual partners either, but like, I didn't have anyone visit my apartment for. Oh months,
1: yeah, you mentioned that. 5 yeah. 6
2: months. Uh crazy. Yeah, I I just kind of isolated myself and had my own little weird little world and the only time I ever invited anyone over was for sex and when I did that I was generally pretty fucking drunk.
1: Uh And that really uh, Yeah, drunk it, sex it, for ugh.
2: Right, and it kind of negates the whole you know, like where am I at emotionally? Uh it was just meaningless essentially. Like In that, you know, I didn't really know how to deal, so I got drunk and feelings that I had came out that I didn't realize were there or that I didn't realize needed tending to. Uh, Because, you know, after nine or ten beer,
1: eh, everything seems like a good idea, you know?
0: It's so
2: (laughs)
1: true. Oh, my God. It's so eye-opening when you look back. Like, I don't know if you feel this way. But when you look back at the the sex you have and you try to remember all the sober one times, like for me, I'm like, yeah, it's mostly drunk sex. Like,
2: right, fuck, and some of it's pretty fucking good. But also, it's you need like, to be
1: the right level of drunk, even, right? Yeah, there's a certain number yeah. of drinks.
2: There's, yeah, it's just,
1: for me, it's one to four. So
2: what do you are now like two, three. No, we I'm are
1: still. at we are two. <laughs> Although you made this one strong, so I, I, mean, I
2: didn't mean to I didn't realize. This- <laughs> I didn't realize that was a a one-and-a-half-ounce shot glass until I started, like, pouring, like, like,
0: shit. Okay,
1: But, yeah, sex as an escape is an interesting thing, because I've kind of, for me, we're going to get into sad territory here, but for me, it's, I'm incredibly lonely. Like, that's my main challenge in life, Mm. is that I'm very much so craving an emotional connection, and... For so long I was like putting that as like people think I want a boyfriend, they think I'm desperate. But really it's just like I don't it doesn't even I don't even care about the boyfriend thing. Hmm. It doesn't have to be a boyfriend or a traditional relationship. It's an emotional connection. Um and feeling lonely fucking sucks. And uh, yeah, it really fucking sucks. I'm kind of on
2: the, I'm kind of in the same place where except I, I find it really easy to connect with people emotionally, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do it for a long time. You know, right. it, w- if I have a one night stand with someone, I'm very genuinely interested in them and I'm very genuinely attentive to their needs when we, you know, get to the bedroom kind of thing. And, you know, the next day I'll make breakfast and, you know, treat <laughs> them very kindly. And then we say goodbye and, you know, you wind up getting a lot of calls and, you know, you have to be like, well, no, that was just a thing. You know, right. it was I, I was being emotionally intimate with you. That doesn't mean I want to be emotionally intimate with you forever. Like, I don't know. Everyone has this whole idea that emotional intimacy... Is long-term. Right. It doesn't have to be. You can have these very intimate, brief moments. That's all life is, really, is these very meaningful, brief, fleeting moments. We're all going to die. Fuck (laughs) it. Like,
1: (laughs) And you know what? No, I, I 100%, and I think it's only been in recent years that I've started appreciating that. Right. Because I used to be so fucking needy. Like, (laughs) but now I'm just like, you know what? Maybe it's not my path to have a partner or like have a traditional boyfriend. Yeah. But at the very fucking least, I want to have some fucking fun. I want to live. And I want to look back and say, I had this amazing night with this person and it was just a one night thing. But like, it was so fun and amazing and it is what it is, but it was, it was respectful and good and amazing. And and I, I how both, cool is that
2: yeah it's it's nice to feel listened to as a person and to feel uh feel you know uh, attended to I, yeah. I don't know why people see that and go well no you had that with me now I don't want you to have it with anyone else yeah so and exactly. it's like that that seems that comes off to me as very because very selfish
1: is, and monogamy is so like, like
2: uh, I like
1: I think Personally, it's rare. Um,
2: it's becoming more and more. Rare. I think it's, it's kind of dying out.
1: It's really dying out. Yeah. Polyamory is really trendy. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, it, I think ethical non-monogamy, if done correctly, can work really well. Um, but it has to be done correctly. And and I think, like, going back to the whole, like, long-term thing, I think people, there's a stigma on, like, one night, you know, it's a one-night stand, so it must suck. And it's just like, it doesn't have to suck. It, it really doesn't have to. And yeah. I would rather have a bunch of one-night stands than none at all. Right? And, like, like that's just me being goddamn honest. Um, Because loneliness really, really sucks. And it's, it's nice to have a... a fun-
0: yeah, and
2: we, we talk a lot about, uh, at the bar, like, the walk of shame. And, and how <laughs> the walk of shame isn't really a thing anymore. Because none of us have any... Like, if I'm ashamed, it's because I'm in the clothes that I wore the night before. I still smell sweaty. I smell like sex. I'm probably missing a sock. Like it's. I'm I've ashamed because of long how long I time. look. I'm yeah. not ashamed of because of you know where I'm coming from and where I'm going to. Right. You know. Uh, and
1: when I have what like things like that, I'm on a high for 24 hours. Yeah. Like yeah. if I have a wild night and I'm out all night and I'm walking home in like last night's makeup, like I'm like I feel like garbage, but damn. Yeah, I just got laid. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so, like, yeah, I, I'm i really starting to appreciate it more because I just find I would rather have stories and I would rather have experiences than not at all.
2: Yeah, life like, can be a lot be, more simple than it is.
1: Exactly, and, like, it doesn't have to be, like, I've only had two boyfriends my whole life, and if that happens, it happens, cool, but right now, I just want to live, and like have a connection with somebody have a fucking conversation and then bang each other's rings out make some goddamn bacon and go home
2: <laughs> wait I'm gonna do this
1: oh god this is the first Yo, time that I, I hit it. the bell I did it this is the first time you, had th- you were really real- see what I mean about the I bell I know I was
2: pretty apprehensive about the bell do you first. see what I mean though yeah, it feels it's, really it's good when satisfying. you ding it it's pretty satisfying <laughs> I mean, title your sex tape <laughs>
1: Wish. (laughs) Oh man. Oh Oh, Christ. God damn. Is there anything else? Like, so we kind of touched on fighting. We touched on so, and we touched on we touched on your three Fs. Really.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm trying to think. I wonder if there's anything else that I can ask.
2: Three Fs. Telling you.
1: The three Fs. It's the way to go. (laughs) Um, how do you deal? I guess we'll end it with this. How do you deal, um, day to day? with struggling with all these different you know we all have a fucking cocktail of stuff you know what I mean like oh, yeah. I feel like all of us are walking around with some form of depression anxiety ADD like mm-hmm. some of us are medicated some of us aren't um how do like are there anything is there anything in your life that you think works well for you in terms of managing these these things or no
2: well like my coworker Danny said I we don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <okay. laughs> I spend three hours a day playing video games I exercise until I puke uh, and yeah basically do everything to run away from this fucking massive black dog that's constantly chasing me oh that God. is you know depression and the, the end of life and the, the horrible horrible things in the world and it's, you just get drunk and hang out with people and have fun and fuck and eat and yeah, just indulge it, it's epicureanism really uh, you know the the pursuit of not happiness but pleasure, which can be happiness. Um, totally. Yeah, yeah, and you know some people think pleasure seeking behavior is is a negative way to put it or a negative thing, but yeah, you know there's, there's a stigma on
1: it. I think sometimes, like there, there is, yeah, like when people want to go out and get drunk and have fun, like. People might say, "Oh, well, you're in your thirties. Like that's not really responsible." And it's just like, "Fuck those people!" Like, I would rather have, I would rather, you know, be a little tired the next (laughs) day, but have a fun night because sometimes you just fucking need it. Well, and and it's all about,
2: and it's all about moderation. It's all about checking in with yourself as well. Checking Um, with yourself,
1: yeah, that's a huge one.
2: Yeah, because I, you know, sometimes. I've been given medication to sleep and uh, to not be anxious and whatever. But sometimes it's just easier to drink, Uh, you know? (laughs) It's like, uh, you know, I can cover all that shit with a few cocktails or a case of beer. It's fine.
1: I feel like you're doing it well though, because you're a regular drinker who exercises. And I am not. (laughs) I do not exercise. I mean it's not all at all. And alcohol can definitely put up the pounds. But
2: you you definitely have to check in on yourself because you know, you can seek pleasure and you can be the kind of person who has fun all the time. But you have to have that balance. You have to make sure you're not hurting other people. You have to make sure you're not hurting yourself. Oh my gosh, that's um, so true. You're not making other people worry. So seek pleasure only insofar as it doesn't cause strife. You know, there's people, when you say the term pleasure-seeking or Epicurean, people think this hedonism. Uh-huh. It's not hedonism. It's not unbridled lust and gluttony. Oh. It's, it's, I'm going to try and be as happy as possible without sacrificing anything anything or anyone else, uh, myself included, you know? Yeah. Because I – the way that I exercise can easily be seen by some people as self-destructive, you know? Hmm. I I have to ice my shins. I have to ice my back. Like you go hard. I get punched in the face, you know? But I would rather that kind of self-destruction, the kind that ultimately builds you up, than – Going out and getting blackout drunk and dropping your phone and spending $150 and, you know, (laughs) sleeping with someone that you don't actually care about emotionally, uh, you know. Because then you might be hurting another person. That's actual self-destruction. You're hurting another person. You're hurting yourself. uh, You're sabotaging your your own success, your own happiness, ultimately, you know, so long as you can seek pleasure and happiness uh, without, without the negative side like that there and that's the trick that's the balance and that i think a lot so of people true. don't recognize that
1: oh my god yes yeah and especially with the boxing. like i used to do kickboxing and that shit fucking it makes you taking your anger out and just punching something feels fucking good
2: punching something but i've also always told people that being punched in the face is very character building never been punched i can in the face. i can look at someone and you know yeah especially like uh when I was working at that dive bar in the kitchen and stuff, like, there was a lot of, like, young university students who would come in and be real cocky.
1: And you're like, I what a bunch I could, of this. I
2: could just, I could tell. I could look them in the face and be like, you've never been smacked in the fucking mouth, have you? Damn. Oh, it's the entitlement. So cute.
1: The entitlement. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah.
2: And, and that's... I mean... <laughs> that kind of feeling that you, like... I can look at someone and be like, you've never been actually punched in the fucking head. So the second you stand up to them and... You're just like, okay, let's go do this. And they're like, oh, shit, I
1: fucked up. Uh-huh. Because they don't have that
2: character where it's like, okay, I've been here before. I'm going to take this stand. Because they know it's not, like, they don't know it's not worth it. You uh-huh. know, they, they're they just like, oh, fuck, I don't want to be punched in the face. I've heard that shit sucks. I don't want the negative stuff. I'm going to walk away. I just wanted to have my own way, you know?
1: kind of felt that way when I got slapped for the first time in the face during sex once. Like... No, I know. Shitty. It's really shitty. Talk about that shit beforehand. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, um, and that's
2: a whole other conversation. Whole other conversation, but ground like ground rules. But
1: honestly, like there was an aspect of that yeah. that in my reaction to it because like I even said it like that was non consensual and that was really fucking not cool. And you got to talk about that shit before you ever right. Op- and it was open hand. You know, open sure. hand slap. Yeah, yeah. Still, uh, still you got to talk about that with whoever you're fucking before you do that. But but it- when it happened to me it happened and my instant reaction wasn't what a jerk it was like <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a guilt associated with that right? right because you're like I liked that Ooh, I must not respect myself
2: but yeah you're like I should have stood up I should have said something kind of thing um, that's a totally different situation <laughs> where it's very intimate yeah um, yeah you know in, in the context of that that's always fine uh, to me and to to other people because it's always like, okay, you're into that, you're into that, you're into that, okay, cool. Uh, I'm into this, I'm into this. How hard? Okay, cool. Set the ground rules and go at it and that's fine. and and That's why I've never been in an actual fight, a street fight, because when I go into the boxing ring, that is essentially consensual. Right. Right. That's the same as being hit in the face during sex. That's consensual. It's two people deciding that this is what's going to happen uh,
1: yeah talk you, about that shit yeah uh,
2: but then you have someone come up in a bar and you're like well what the fuck are you gonna do about it and you're like oh okay so this is how it's gonna go then uh well I'm not gonna punch you in the face and you're welcome to take a swing at me so like let's the social contract is written uh-huh. uh, we can do it here we can do it there like and that's that's the difference going from consensual to non-consensual and, and the whole idea of well, I'm going to punch you in the middle of this crowded bar and it's like, "Buddy, let's go out back where no one can interrupt. That's consensual. You and yes. I are going to decide as adults yeah. to go out back and be violent." Yeah. And most people are just like, "No, fuck that." So that that to as me As soon as people aren't watching, that's that's the equivalent of you being slapped in the face non-consensually during sex. Something. Is some guy being like, "I'm going to start a fight." And I'm like, "Don't start it here. Let's go out back. I'll fight you." One on one, no one else looking. Just gonna be you and me. And they're like, "No, fuck that, man." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just immediately like, no.
1: Such a good metaphor, right? And
2: and that's that's the difference between I think the energy. (sighs) (sighs) Yeah, part of me kind of misses working in a dive bar, right? because as much as I've never been in a street fight, part of me is just like, give me a reason. Like I, I have I think that. A lot of guys like that. That fucked up violent energy where I'm just like, oh, I'd love for that to happen. And a lot of people are like, that's fucked
1: up. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I don't. You know, like I, I kind of want to be in a fight too.
2: Well, it, it's because it, it's out of our depth. It's, it's I want to kick ass. Right. Yeah. Everyone wants to be a fucking superhero.
1: Like when I think of like my version of what I would do for exercise if I got my shit together I would probably go back to kickboxing for that reason because I like high impact super fast like I like a shorter amount of time but like super high impact Mm. rather I mean I'm not a fucking yoga chick I can't do it (laughs) I just never will be one I'm sorry
2: you say that now I but try. my I've, shoulders knees and elbows would definitely have a discussion with you
1: I've downloaded fucking meditation apps on my phone and I have tried and I cannot do it <laughs> I am just not that girl like I need I I need fast and high like high impact workouts I
2: recommend it to anybody really
1: it's fantastic. Um,
2: and you know anybody listening if you're interested in that uh, I would highly recommend Warriors Boxing
1: uh, they're in Dartmouth
2: uh, okay. Kelsey Frazier is the head trainer used to be the head trainer at Palookas he's a very kind man very good at what he does uh, and will push you in however far you want to be pushed Uh love it yeah great great people and, and boxing gyms or martial, martial arts gyms are, are some of the most welcoming places I've ever been Everyone's there for the same reason to push themselves, to push one another. Uh, Yeah, you don't get the weird stares. You don't have the muscle bound idiots. You you have people there for one reason and one reason only.
1: Love it. Yeah,
2: it's. uh, I I can hardly stomach to go back to a regular gym now.
1: Yeah, Uh, I. Not for me.
2: Yeah. Don't know how
1: people do it. I'm going to run this treadmill. Like, I like running outside.
2: Yeah, most people just throw their headphones in and they do their own thing, which is fine. Uh, Honestly, it's easier for me because I'm not a good-looking woman. (laughs) I can imagine it's way fucking harder to go to a gym.
1: Yeah, I feel like if I were to do the gym thing, it would be like a women's-only gym. But then then it's like you meet people. Like if I went to a co-ed gym, I could maybe meet someone. Oh, whom I can who
2: I, I don't know, a lot of people say that, but I just I never interact with people at the gym no, I go to the gym it's a and really I do my thing weird time and I leave. to do it it's like yeah uh, yeah, who in the fuck is meeting other people at a gym,
1: and how does that happen?
2: go in, do your workout, shut up, and leave It's That's... like
1: people who meet people at grocery stores how how <laughs> like i I sometimes
2: talk to people in line at the grocery store. it's not a fucking rom-com like I don't no god. I'm to pick up my ramen and my eggs, and I'm leaving.
1: Ramen and eggs, yes. <laughs> the saddest of foods, but I love... I love that you said you want to make someone breakfast in the morning, because that's
2: my dream. I just love cooking. I love cooking for people. I just... Yeah, that's yeah. That's fine. And if I'm going to wake up in the morning and cook breakfast anyway, and there's someone else there, it's not like I'm not going to cook for them. That's my That dream. would be rude.
1: That's what I always say. I'm just like, stick around fucking... Bre-. Like, if you want to leave, fuck me and leave. That's fine. But if you stay the night...
2: You get toast.
1: You get a bacon.
2: <laughs> get a bacon sandwich. A
1: sandwich. I make mean, a good one. <laughs> Goddamn! This has been this has been <laughs> like amazing. Thank you. Um, thanks. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, yeah, like we could probably go on for another two hours, but you know,
2: it's way too hot to do that.
1: You'll come back on though. I'm so right. sweaty. You'll come back on. Right? I
2: gladly. Yeah
1: yeah this was absolutely awesome. glad thank, thank you especially
2: because so i live right around the corner yeah I mean, you're so close yeah not a big deal
1: um thanks so much for coming on this uh, yeah this went deep and funny and like this covered everything um it's not something that everyone can talk about so candidly um and for that i thank you for yeah
2: on. i appreciate it i hope everyone enjoyed listening to it um yeah and yeah, hopefully you can catch me on another podcast that I'll be hosting uh eventually. <laughs> just start charging to be guests on shows In the near future, I might have my own. Uh but I yeah. might just I'm essentially just like the couch surfer of podcasts in Halifax now. I oh just...
1: my god, podcast couch surfer <laughs> That's great. Uh
2: but yeah, no, I'm really glad you could have me and uh yeah, I hope to come back again. Hopefully we can get some more folks on and uh do something funny and quirky and weird, because I'm also just a massive pop culture nut, too. Oh, so
1: 100%, Pat. Like, now that you've popped your <laughs> intoxicated cherry. Yeah. Like, I mean, first times are always, you know. Next
2: time, let's do movies. Next time, we're going
1: to go even deeper. Like, we're going to upgrade the, what's what's co- like, anal training. Like, we're going to upgrade the dildo.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Flared base, you know. Next time, like, we're going to get to the big rubber fist.
1: Yes it's just baby steps it's baby steps oh my gosh well thanks so much again thank you Sarah I appreciate um, it thanks so much for coming over on this super fucking hot day and yeah. um hopefully you'll be back so yeah. the guest always ends the show with a ring so ring oh, okay. that bell I love when people go for multiple dings yeah, yeah yeah multiple dings are where it's at no yeah. sense okay. I'm into it Right. Woo-hoo! Oh, you're still here? Well, thanks so much for listening to the Intoxicated Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you find podcasts and vote for Intoxicated in the Best of Halifax Reader's Choice Awards in the News and Media category for Best Podcast. You can cast your vote at bestofhalifax.com. Thanks again for listening.